absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to episode 23 of Leave the Pin In Podcast. I told you on Instagram we had some special guests coming up, and here is the first of many This is a YouTube sensation, an Instagram star, and by his own admission and mine, a golf social media influencer. Uh, Today on the pod, we've got Kyle from Knocked Stiff Golf calling in from Alaska. Kyle, what's going on? Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me on. You know, those were were quite the the compliments to me. I consider myself a a small fish, though. (laughs) Well, I, I tell you what, you're definitely making, you might be a small fish, but there's definitely some ripples that are, are emanating from you, and you're definitely making some waves. Uh, before we get even into like all the social media stuff that you do, which you know you have a big presence on YouTube with the YouTube channel, uh, your Instagram is, is growing pretty rapidly, give me and the listeners kind of an idea of how you got into golf i mean did you start playing when you were a kid did you get into golf later in life how'd that come about yeah so uh right now i'm 32 years old uh i kind of got into golf probably around 14 or 15 just due to a neighbor swinging a club in the yard and nobody really in my family has has committed to the golf game at all my parents and, uh, so it really came from a neighbor showing me the game and kind of got into junior golf thought I was good enough to play in college. Uh, I was sorely mistaken. Uh, so, you know, I kind of gave up golf for a few years until kind of my late 20s. And then I just kind of found a rekindled love for it and really got back into the game and started trying to get better and better and start getting into more tournaments. And uh, I figured a good way to kind of stay committed to getting better was to kind of maybe start a social media, that something to keep me committed to to that grind. So did you grow up in Alaska? Did you move there later on? How did that come about? Yeah, yeah so I was uh, born and raised here pretty much. Uh, I've moved out a couple a couple times over after college just for, I played in a band, so we traveled around playing music. I worked in politics for a little bit, so I, I basically traveled a lot of my 20s out of state and then kind of came back uh, and got involved in a business here that um, some friends started, and that's what brought me back up here and met my wife and all that stuff. And so, you know, Alaska has a way of uh, bringing people back sometimes. Uh, Can we talk about the band real quick? Is it it something that we might know? No, no, it was was actually, uh, I I guess for lack of a better term, a heavy metal band back in my uh, earlier days. So it was that kind of screamo music, all that kind of stuff, and I played guitar in it. And so, you know, we a couple of young guys hopped in a van and trailer and left Alaska and kind of toured the West Coast, you know, just living the uh, uh, an interesting lifestyle for a little bit of time. All right, we, we might have to delve into that just a bit. This might be a bit off topic. I mean, that's right up my alley. So I grew up in the whole uh, New York hardcore scene Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. so I, I was in a band. I was the lead singer of a band called Playground Fight uh, out of Long Island. So what, what was the name of your band? So it's called Witness the End. 
And so I'm trying to think. There was a couple bands from New York. Uh, we always tended to open up for the bigger bands that came here, like Corn or uh, All That Remains or Atreyu, all these different bands. And uh, it was just a really fun period of life when you don't have a lot of responsibility at the time and just playing music every night. And, you know, just, I don't know, there's something about music when you're playing it that connects with people in the crowd and I don't know. It's, it's, it's something magical that I'm sure you experience lots of times. Yeah, that that's pretty sick. Now, did any of those guys play golf? And I only asked that uh, because I guess it's more in vogue or in fashion nowadays for people in those music scenes. And even in like rap and hip hop, you see guys that oh, are yeah. kind of getting into golf a bit. Um, like I know Alex Shellnut, the drummer from A Day to Remember, and, and actually the entire band are just enormous golfers as well so did you have any of that connection with the guys in the band or people that came to alaska to tour the golf connection yeah so uh the promoter for the show is a good for when a tray you came up here was a good friend of mine and so she called me up and said hey the guys from a tray you're at this bar uh why don't you come meet them and so i was like oh man i've grown up listening to a tray you yeah for for sure sure. yeah i go down the bar um, we're sitting there and I strike up a conversation with a couple of them. They're like, well, you know, is there any golf up here? And I said, yes, there is. <laughs> and I can actually get us a tea time in the morning if you want to go. And so the couple of them were like, yes, we're absolutely in. So we woke up at like 6 a.m., drove up about an hour to go play golf. And actually it's on YouTube. It's, it's a really crappy video um, that I just kind of filmed. This had to be about almost 10 years ago, but, uh, it was just us playing a few different holes out at this course. And there's still big golfers to this day. I think most of them play. And that was just a memory. I'll always uh, remember just going out with Atreyu, a big metal band, especially at that time. And just playing around a golf, like a couple of normal dudes. Oh, for sure. I mean, they're, they're hands down one of my favorite bands of all times. Like my kids even know Atreyu, you know, they even listen. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's wild, dude. That is so cool. Um, so I got to ask you this. So out of all the bands that you've seen kind of come into Alaska for shows and stuff, who is the best golfer that you've played with in one of those bands? Hmm. You know, I've, I, I got to give it to the Trey, you guys that played. Uh, they were they were really the only guys that kind of had played consistent golf before. Um, none of the other bands I really got a lot of time to spend with in terms of playing golf, but you know you could tell they were they were they were players. I mean, they're I think they're from California, so they they played a lot and all over the world really. So I got to give it to a Trey. That's very cool. Very cool. <laughs> um, so so tell me. Give somebody, I guess, in the lower 48, if you will, the, you know, the continental U.S., give us an idea of what it's like to be a golfer, someone that's so heavily involved in golf and living in Alaska. Uh, what, what challenges present themselves just from being that far north? Sure. Uh, I think what you got to realize about golf in Alaska is golf, golf is pretty popular in the major hub, which I live in is Anchorage, essentially. And you have about, I would say, roughly five months for golf courses to make their money here um, in terms of the season. So, you know, you're dealing with snow for six months, then you got about two months to 
kind of get the course in proper condition on each side of the season. It's just really tough for courses up here. So during the summer, during peak season, it's pretty packed. Uh, I think somewhere in the realm of the course that I belong to is is about uh, 400 uh, paid rounds in the a day. Like it, wow. it, it's very, and I would say that's like a weekend or something, but um, so it's really tough actually to kind of get out on a weekend in the prime time of summer. But, you know, we, we have like a really diehard community of, of good golfers and, and bad golfers, but everybody loves the game just like everybody else in all their states. And so in this wintertime, we have simulated leagues. We have all sorts of get-togethers to kind of like try to keep our game somewhat sharp during the winter. And then once summer comes around, it's like if you're in the kind of golf community, you could have a game every day if you wanted with people that – uh, police, uh, people that work on the slope, which is kind of like a two on two off job. So every day you could be with somebody that's committed to golf up here. And so it's, it's just a great community to be a part of, honestly. Now, what are you guys at elevation wise in Anchorage? Oh man. Uh, we're at sea level. So it's, okay. it, yeah, it's relatively close to that. Nothing too crazy. Um, yeah, because Anchorage is pretty much a port city, so we're right there. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so no help yep. with elevation at all. But you guys, nope. ha- you you have had an enormous heat wave that's been through, what, the last week or so? Yeah, it's probably going on about two weeks now. Uh, it just kind of rolled in where I think some people might have been talking about it, but it, it's a lot of it happened with this forest fire that probably – 90 miles away or something. So there's a bunch of smoke rolled up and a lot of this has to do during the summertime with higher heats. And it's so dry here that, you know, forest fires do become a problem. And California is used to having a lot of forest fires, but with the massive size of Alaska, we have some, a crazy amount of forest fires. Anyways, this one just rolled in and the smoke has been so bad here for about a week. And then it's also been 85 and I think we just tied the record for the highest temp in Alaska just the other day. It was, I think, 89. So it's been, it's been pretty brutal for people that are used to a pretty mild summer of, you know, 70 being the high. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I can imagine it's probably great for golfers wanting to go out in, you know, short sleeves and shorts. But as far as oh, in, yeah. in, environmental effects, uh, not top of the list of things you really want to see. Well, and again, our courses are so, uh, they get battered in the summer with just so much foot traffic and all that stuff. You know, a lot of courses have trouble just maintaining during a normal summer. So right now, a lot of the courses are kind of getting baked and they're trying to water them and all this stuff. So right now we're kind of praying for some rain, which we're supposed to get uh, later this week for a, a few days, which would, I think, help help everybody out. So and- fingers crossed. And just because I'm so ignorant of Alaskan golf, I mean, I've never been there. But what's the what's the grass of choice for courses up there? Is it bent grass, or is it something different since you're right by the sea? Oh, man. Uh, I'd have to check because there are a couple different courses use some uh, different grass types. Gotcha. You know, I, that's one thing I, I, 
I'm not super familiar with because I know a couple of them have changed over time with different uh, uh, greenskeepers have brought up different strains to try because it's so it's such a weird um, scenario up here with how we have to cover our greens during the winter or with ice shields and all this stuff. So they've got it down, but that's out of my uh, that's out of my forte. Yeah, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. I mean, d- probably a whole host of problems that people in the lower forty-eight never even think about or even have to deal with at all. Oh no! I mean, there's. I'm sure back in like the '90s and stuff with golf courses up here, you would have found some very unique methods of uh, <laughs> greenskeeping. I've heard all sorts of stuff from putting like. Uh, I heard a rumor that they were putting like antifreeze in like some of the water that they were like, <laughs> like just crazy things to like keep the grass from getting frozen at certain points in the season. Just all sorts of weird stuff that guys have tried. Yeah, but for sure. It's a high risk, high reward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't doubt. I don't doubt. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about you as a golfer. Now, I know coming up this week, correct, you're playing in the Alaska State Am. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, correct. Starting Thursday is uh, is actually my second year back playing tournaments. Uh, again, I used to play a lot of the junior tournaments, played a few State Ams, you know, 15 years ago, and then took that long hiatus and then kind of came back and realized, you know, competition – is something that, you know, I didn't have in my life for a while outside of like the business world. So I, I really wanted that kind of sport, uh, competitive drive to kind of come back. And so tournament golf has always been one of my favorite things. So I decided to sign up last year, did it. And I was like, well, I'm definitely doing this next year to improve on, on my results. <laughs> now you guys have very long summer days, correct? Very, very long, yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I just got done playing our summer solstice round, and that was, was with uh, that author, Tom Coyne, that happened to be up here working on his book. Uh, it's a course called America, and I took him up to Fairbanks, and we played all night long until about 3.30 a.m. So <laughs> without a – I mean, just about in – I would say – you're over on the East Coast, correct? So yep. probably what your daylight would be like around 3 p.m. Gotcha. That's about what it was all the way all night. <laughs> and for people that are unfamiliar with that, they can see that. And I've watched that one on your YouTube channel. And, and Tom Coyne is an American author who is doing uh, a book on America now called a, a Course Called America, or at least that's what he's using as a hashtag. I don't know if that's the name yep. of the book, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be, right? Yes, that's uh, that's. That's the rumor, unless there's some last-minute changes. <laughs> sure. Um, and he authored a very popular golf book called A Course Called Scotland, where basically he just walked up and down the coast or you know traveled up and down the coast and played all these courses, and now he's doing it in the U.S., and you can follow him on Instagram. Uh, but I think the best uh, representation of that is through Kyle's YouTube channel of knock stiff golf. And along with a bunch of other things, which we'll get into, but the round with Tom coin, I think was just so cool because there's no words in it. It's just, uh, some background music. And again, some of your great editing skills go into it and it kind of shows, I think at the end of the video, it's like two 30 or two 15 in the morning. And like Kyle just said, it is literally, 
as bright as it could be anywhere in the U.S. at 3 p.m. on a sunny day. Yeah, it's, it was insane. I mean, because I mean, you're going up to Fairbanks, which is about six hours north of where I am, so it's even more daylight up there for a little bit longer. And uh, it just a, uh, it was just pretty awesome. Even though you're feeling the fatigue of it being nighttime and stuff like that, but just something about playing golf with nobody else around, and it feels like you have the you did have the course to yourself. So a very good memory that I'll. I'll I'll have for a long, long time. Yeah, and something that'll be etched, you know, in in print uh, for eternity because that'll be part of of Tom's book, which is very cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Kyle, how do you how do you balance? Because I know the the Alaska State Am is coming up this week in three days. How do you balance everything that you do in social media? Because you are pretty prolific in terms of posting, um, editing, creating content. How do you balance that with the preparation that goes into an enormous big time USGA tournament like the Alaska State Amateur? Well, uh, I, I think I just addressed this in, in my most recent video, and it, right, that's like, why I, that's I, the, I, good I really, good lead-in. That's why I asked. <laughs> yeah, uh, in a nutshell, I can't. Uh, so, you know, between I have a nine to five job that pays the bills, I have a family, I have the social media. I have another company that I kind of do with a buddy on the side and it's really, and I'm trying to get better at golf. And I just have come to the conclusion that this whole grind till you die, all this kind of this stuff that's going around the internet these days is useful for a lot of people that are, are maybe needing a little bit of push. But for somebody like me, that's a, I would consider myself a self starter it can actually get detri- detrimental at the end of the day is if you're not spending enough time with the right things. And so, you know, I've kind of decided to kind of slow down in a couple areas of the social media, uh, maybe not posting quite as often to YouTube and stuff like that, and just kind of spending a little bit more time um, definitely with the family and, and just, you know, making sure that golf is something that I continue to love. And that means spending more time doing that, maybe not always having my camera out on the course or, or thinking about recording a video. So right now I'm just kind of really committing to getting my golf in shape for this tournament. Tournaments can go good or bad. It doesn't matter. I'm going to put in the time to giving it my best. And then the content, you know, I'm going to make what I, what I enjoy making. And if it's not always twice a week, you know, I'm going to be okay with that. And it's taken me a little bit to, to, to accept that, but I think it's a win-win for me. I'm going to have more time to create better content if I'm just doing one video a week per se. And I think the uh, consumer will get better quality since I'm not having to rush stuff out. So that's my, my thought process of it. I think that's a great point because it's not always so much about how much you put out, but kind of what you put out there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's YouTubers that are putting out like almost one video a year uh, because they spend so much time. I mean, they're basically short films and I mean, they get millions of hits on this video and that's all they need is just one solid piece of content a year and that's kind of their, their thing. And I'm not saying that's going to work for everybody, but you can find the extremes at both ends of the guy that's putting out a daily vlog and 12 pieces of content a day versus the one guy that puts out 
a single Vimeo video once a year and does great. So you just got to find what kind of works for you and, and works for your life, especially if you have family. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and I also think that the audience over time will eventually find you. I know that right. we, we struggle with that in the beginning a little bit. Do we want to do the, the pod three times a week? Do we want to do it once a week? Do we want to do, you know, twice a month and, and then interviews? And it's just, it's so hot, hard, but eventually you get the right people listening or in your case, viewing and listening. And then, you know, what we've done is just gone based on what the people wanted for the most part, you know, who they want to hear on the podcast, kind of what they want to hear as long as it doesn't deviate too much from what we want to do. Like we'll definitely take requests, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the thing is you're kind of at the mercy of the viewers per se, but at the end of the day, they're kind of, they're kind of buying what you, what you do and what you want because that's what they like to see. And, you know, it's kind of finding that middle ground, um, you know, and, and another thing like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Gary V fan, a Gary Vaynerchuk. I like a lot of his stuff. Um, I kind of got burnt out on some of it, but he does make some very good points about, about being patient. And, and that's a big thing he drives lately is, you know, a lot of us want this growth and this, uh, this success to come immediately. Like, you know, we're just one podcast or one video or one photo away from just blasting off. And it's like, you know what, that's not, that's not sustainable. And at the end of the day, it doesn't usually work that way for most people. So, you know, you just got to stay patient and do what, what's sustainable in the long run for you. <laughs> yeah. I think that that applies to a lot of golf. And it's funny that you mentioned that I've, I've got two buddies that caddy on, the corn ferry tour or as we like to call mm. it just the just the corn tour um yeah and you know they always just preach that the corn tour is about opportunity we might make some money sure. we might lose some money but in the end you know whether it's a year two years three years it's about that opportunity and you look at some of the people that have been involved in social me- social media in a while or even guys that have been caddying for a while that are doing super super well and the numbers are like through the roof but then you've got to also look back at how many years they were grinding away with 30 viewers, 50 viewers, 100 viewers, you know, before, before it came to the, the terms that you're were, you were talking about. I think that's a great point is you just got to keep doing what you want to do um, and stay true to what you want to do. And eventually people will find you. But again, it is. It's about patience. It's about staying in there and just keeping up with what you're doing. Yeah, let's say, I mean, you can apply that to even a round of golf is, I mean, being impatient on the golf course, trying to make birdies happen or trying to make a par after you double bogey and you feel like you got to get two strokes back now is, is usually detrimental to the, to your, to your round. And it's about, you know, capitalizing on opportunities you have on the course when you, you know, maybe have a short par three or a short approach shot, but it's not always trying to get greedy and go for every drivable par four or every par five and two, you know, it's, you got to find your spots and know your strengths and weaknesses and, and capitalize on those. And sometimes those don't come until later in the round. So it's, you know, patience is applicable on basically every front of life. And it's something that I think a lot of us would do well to, to spend a little bit more time learning. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to take your medicine, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I run into a lot of buddies that refuse to 
punch out and knock it up on and try to make par. <laughs> they they got to go for the miracle shot through the trees. And, you know, a lot of times it doesn't work out. And you, and you see that in personalities and in, in golf. It's, it's just something else. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Um, all right, so let's go to one of my favorite aspects of what you do with social media and kind of where I became a big fan, the YouTube channel. Um, your editing is, is literally through the roof. I mean, it's, it's pretty damn good, man. Where did you learn to, how, how did, how did you kind of, I feel like that's a talent. All right. So that, that's what I always kind of refer to it as, you know, obviously photographers have an eye for things. Um, but the ability to take video and edit it into a kind of, decently wrote sequence um is a talent where'd you pick that up where did you cultivate that from sure um well i, I have to kind of give it to my my buddy his name's steven and he's somebody that i ran another business with for a while and he's always been the videographer and the photographer for a lot of our our stuff that we've done online and i just watch him and i'm like man that you know, he has a way of taking something so mundane and making it look cool, whether that's, you know, a hike through the, the forest, whatever it may be. And so I was like, you know what, you know, I, I, I want to try my hand at it. So, you know, I got the software and I started kind of just uh, mirroring him when he would go film something. I would bring my camera along and try to get my own shots and start trying to put together a sequence. And, you know, it was never, never good enough. It was always like, oh, well, this is not I'm not in my realm anymore. I, I've always been an analytical person and not so much a creative person in my opinion. And then it kind of came to golf where I'm like, there's not a lot of stuff that makes golf look very cool. There's, and, and this was, I would say a year and a half ago, there's a lot of stuff out there that's great now. But, um, so I just decided like, what, how could I make putting practice in my living room look cooler than it actually is. And so I just started playing around and practicing and just really learning the settings of my camera and learning what kind of tells a quick short story. And I would still consider myself a very beginner editor right now. It's, it's, I feel like I've almost got lucky to put together the sequences and they turn out decent. So I don't know if I have an eye for it or, or what, but it just, I feel like I just almost get lucky and people seem to enjoy it for the most part. So uh, it's one of those things, just like golf, it takes a lot of practice. Uh, I get some buddies that are trying to do the same thing, and I'm like, well, if you want to spend the 150 hours that I've probably spent watching YouTube tutorials, you know, go for it, because <laughs> that's what it takes is, you know, doing something over and over again until you get better. You talk about making the mundane look cool. Um, I'm thinking back to the, again, the video you did with Tom Coyne, and there's a sequence there where I don't know who it is, but there's some dude filling out a scorecard. Now, we've all done that hundreds, if not thousands of times. It's not cool. It's not sexy. uh, It doesn't look good, and it just, like, fit right in. I was like, oh, dude, that's a pretty sick shot, that dude filling out a scorecard. And then I'm thinking to myself wait a minute, that's like one of the most mundane, not thought about things you do on a golf course. Again, man, that's like, that's a talent to, to be able to capture a nondescript moment and have it flow into, like you said, a a short story. So I definitely commend you 
on that. I want to talk about some of the other ones. Uh, take me through this eight utter par uh, Wisconsin golf trip because you and I have a little bit in common with our connection to Cutter and Buck. So tell me how this whole entire thing started. Um, tell me about the trip. Talk a little bit about Sand Valley, Lawsonia, if you want, and just kind of everything that went into it. Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a big topic. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's pretty wide there. Yeah. No. Uh, so what happened was I got tied up with Cutter and Buck with, uh, I think, I somehow got on the email list that I think I might have signed up for, and they sent me a piece of merchandise, a, a polo, and I was like, you know what, that was super nice of them. Like, they didn't have to do that, and I'm not going to do the standard just take a picture of it and post it to Instagram. I want to give them something that's shareable um, on on whatever. So I made a short clip, um, just kind of a B-roll sequence of me, you know, opening the box, you know, a lot of quick transitions, all this stuff, and, you know, me wearing it. And so I sent that to them. They loved it. They were like, this is great. You know, we really want some more of this kind of user-generated content. So we sparked up some conversations and some some ideas of stuff, and then I, I presented the idea that I'm going to Wisconsin on a buddy's trip, and I would love to make videos while I'm there. And so they were like, yeah, let's let's outfit your whole group. Let's make you the, the man of the hour. And I was like, guys, that's way more than I bargained for. I, I'm honored. And that just shows me what they're all about with their marketing department. They know what they're doing, trying to, you know, they want real people, real stories. They don't want supermodels out there just kind of pushing their stuff all the time. They want to see, you know, the average Joe out there with a beer gut, you know, looking like he's having fun drinking a beer with his buddies. You know, that's the kind of story they wanted to kind of tell a little bit. And uh, so we planned this trip to Wisconsin. I had a buddy that was living there, really didn't have another reason to go to Wisconsin. It wasn't really on my golf radar for a long time until I started looking into it more. And since he lived there, we're like, let's do it. We uh, teamed up with a few other guys that did some social media, and one of them happened to live in Wisconsin, and that's the, the sweet spot golf. And we uh, all met there. We started off at Aaron Hills. We did Lawsonia. Then we went to Sand Valley. And all of those places were were insane, to be honest. Aaron Hills was obviously great because of the U.S. Open there. Just seeing all the the, the history, it felt like you were stepping into – uh, I guess it would be Ireland or Scotland. It just looks like this place in the middle of nowhere. And somebody commented and said that reminded them of uh, James, the James Bond movie where they're out at the, where he grew up as a child. And I was like, yeah, this place just seems like in the middle of, of nowhere and you're in Wisconsin, but Lawsonia was the hidden gem for sure. Uh, I think a lot of people are realizing that with some of the content coming out from Eric Anders Lang and the fried egg, they, they did a showcase on that 36 holes with, with the 18 holes, one being a link style, the other being a woodlands. And you kind of have both sides of the coin there in terms of golf with almost a true link style. And then the other one being almost a, a woodland style that, both were phenomenal courses, and we played 36 there with a cart for about 100 bucks. So it was the value of, of the trip for sure. 
And uh, then we went to Sand Valley, spent three nights there, and that place is is absolutely insane. If you've been to Bandon, it's uh, one of the dream golf resorts, uh, kind of sister courses, I guess you would say, along with Cabot Links. That place has the two courses, uh, Mammoth Dunes and Sand Valley. Uh, just great courses. They just got ranked on the uh, Golf Digest top 100 list. Then you also have the Sandbox, which is a par three course. And I think you probably saw that video I made there. Um, great little par three, 17 hole course. I mean, it's just like a golf buddies trip paradise in that area. So I don't know if that sums up the eight under utter par trip, but we were like, it's got to have a hashtag for all the pictures we're going to be posting and videos and the utter, obviously, for being in the Dairyland. Uh, we thought it was close enough to eight under parks since there was eight of us. So we thought we were clever. Probably went over a few people's heads, but <laughs> it was still a great trip. Yeah, no, it was definitely clever. I love the, the videos from it. Um, just going back to Cutter and Buck, uh, I, I, it's, it's very different what they're doing in their approach to the social media game now. Like you mentioned, and we'll get into, everyone's trying to sell their product with like a sexy supermodel that quote-unquote golfs, or some of them that actually do golf. Um, sure. But they're going the kind of opposite route and trying to get people that are, I want to say relevant, I don't think I'm relevant in the social media game at all, but people that are semi-relevant in the social media game and trying to get them to promote their material in a completely different way. Now, I just got back from a big Midwest road trip with my oldest son, and they had run a bucket list trip promotion, which was kind of based off of yours, which they had told me about. And and that's how I kind of got the idea of having you on the show is actually through Joe of Cutter and Buck and speaking with him so often. Um and like what they provided us was just bonkers. Like it was beyond insane. Um, and they've had so much interaction before and after the contest. Um, and just what I term a true desire to want to know how you feel about golf, you know? And, and it's just, a, it's a different way that they're doing it. Um, but difference, good. Difference, different makes noise. Different, you know, shines. And I, I think slowly but surely they're going to start making some big inroads into uh, not. I don't want to say golf apparel because they've been like a country club brand for a long, long time. Yeah. But they're kind of making those inroads now in social media. Do you start to see that as well? Yeah. So that was kind of when I first came upon them again because I've worked in a pro shop at, at my local course since I was a kid, just helping out when I can. And I've always been familiar with the Cutter and Buck name, and it's always been kind of the big boxy polos, uh, just kind of the old school golf fashion. And so when I saw them on social media, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember those guys. And, you know, didn't really think anything of it. But then when stuff started taking off, I got – talking with Joe and all them and, and the whole marketing team really. And I realized, you know, these guys are, are the new breed of marketing. They're newish to the company, uh, within the last few years. And they, they, they know what they're doing. I would say now they know they're not appealing to 20 somethings with their older stuff that was kind of built for the 50, 60, 70 year old golfer. So they had to kind of adopt 
a, a, a new style and being in the, the Pacific Northwest, you know, the Seattle area, there's very much kind of the outdoor, uh, kind of not hiker vibe, but just the outdoorsy fashionable person that likes to get outdoors, but also likes to look good. So they, you know, they have a lot of the vests now. They have a lot of the, the kind of slimmer cut polos and pullovers and everything that's kind of more modern. And so I commended them on that because, you know, it's not easy for companies to pivot uh, away from, you know, maybe what was their older market to kind of now a younger vibe. And so I just think they, they, they know what they're doing now. They have a good target market in mind. And I think it's going to pay dividends over time with a lot of the people they're reaching out to and people are going to start seeing stuff and more and more. And, and, I think becoming cutter and buck wearers. That's just what I think is going to happen. Yeah, that's so true because I'm in the same boat as you. Like I see them as a Steve Stricker style brand with the sleeves that go down past your elbows and, you know, right. a, a, a small cut shirt could fit a guy that was, you know, 5'10 and 250 pounds. And that's how I remember it. And my buddy Scott, my co host, said he's just blown away with how they even took into account like my style, you know? Like I'm right. very different than your typical golfer. Like I am heavily tattooed. I like things very, very slim fitting. You know, I love to lift and they took all that into account and the stuff that they sent was just mind blowing. Like if it didn't have the Cutter and Buck logo on it, there's no way in the world that I would have thought it was from that company. Sure. Yeah. And I mean all the guys that I was on the trip with that got outfitted, I mean, were absolutely gracious, but they, they loved the stuff. Like the shorts we had were, were phenomenal. That was a big hit for a lot of us. Since uh, you know, shorts can be kind of hit or miss with how stretchy or how, or stiff they might be like, just everything was, was great. The polos fit great. And I just, I was really worried because here I am, saying, hey, guys, I'm going to outfit you with stuff, and uh, I hope you like it, uh, even though, you know, it, it's it's a gift. But, you know, it was not a problem to get anybody to wear any of the stuff. So <laughs> I consider that a, a win-win. Oh, for sure. And look, like, golfers are extremely picky. You know, like, I will, oh, yeah. I will not wear something on the course if I don't feel comfortable in it, like, regardless if it's free or not. Um, you know, unless you're going to pay me a good amount of money to wear something – it's got to fit right. It's got to look right. It's got to be my style. You know, like I don't want to have to conform um, unless the paycheck's big enough. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, no one, no one's paying me yet to wear anything. So uh, I'm basically working with brands that I really enjoy working with. Yeah, and that's that's that's, that's, that's what I'm, I'm that's what I'm trying to to tell people is that like you've got to. People, you know, a bunch of people have said like, well, blah, 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 dude, they gave you so much free stuff and there must be paying. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not getting a cent. Like I got, you know, a bunch of nice stuff. Yes. But if that bunch of nice stuff wasn't my style and wasn't well made and didn't feel well, like it would just be sitting in the closet or just go out to a bunch of friends and stuff. But it's things that like actively want to wear. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, so let's let's move on to the next aspect, and this is probably my favorite thing that you've done as of late. I surely hope that you keep it up. I love the reaction videos, Kyle. They are, first off, you have a very dry sense of humor. I appreciate that personally. Um, that's kind of right up my alley. 
And the reaction videos that you do on YouTube and also posted on Instagram under Knox Stiff Golf have been just hands down my favorite. Your last Instagram post with uh, the cart picture um, kind of, uh, what do you want to say, matching the same pose as uh, Paige Sporanic? Um, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it is is phenomenal. It's something that I look at and I'm like, you know what? That could go viral right there. But you also back it up with honestly great insight. And I think you call out some of the BS that is present in social media within the golf realm. Uh, talk us a little bit through that, how you kind of got into that, what it might springboard into in the future. Sure. Um, yeah, so the way I look at it is I, I can do two things with golf content. I can create actual golfing content, but I know I can't really compete in that with, you know, like with a GM golf, with Real Zach Radford, uh, Brody Smith, or Golf Holic. So those guys that can basically golf 12 months a year. I, I can't, I, I don't feel like I can put out the content that would put me up there with them because of my season's being so short. So I'm like, what can I do during the winter uh, or off season that is still content? And I, I don't consider myself that clever or witty, but I'm like, I can look at something and, and kind of maybe draw out some of the funny stuff in it or, or talk about a serious matter, whatever it is. So, and I don't have a problem talking to a camera, so commentary might be something I want to try. So I did a couple of them, and I just really found myself kind of doing the whole, uh, I really wanted to be clean, cut, polished, and not really say anything too bad because I was really kind of focused at the beginning on being kind of at all ages. Like, you know, I don't want to be saying stuff that, you know, a 12-year-old golfer may see and be like, oh, I don't know if I should be watching this. So I was very mindful of that at first. And then kind of over time, I'm like, you know what? This just doesn't feel authentic because I do like to poke fun at stuff or make maybe a crude joke here or there, but you know, nothing way over the top. So I was like, I need to start letting more of that out. And I had some friends saying, you know, they just didn't recognize that guy that was on these videos because I'm more vocal or more crude, whatever it may be about certain things. And so I start being like, you know what, I need to start letting out a little bit more of that um, through my videos. And so with the the recent post has kind of been this crusade I've been on over the past couple months and as shallow or as stupid as it may be, I just don't enjoy golf being run by Instagram models uh, in terms of the social media. And I did this thing where I went through different hashtags and I did a video on this where it was golf swing, golf life, golf, all these things. And all of the top videos and pictures uh, within reason were girls in bikinis or low cut shirts or showing off their butts. All sorts of stuff was the top uh, ranked videos and pictures. And I was like, this just isn't right. What I'm seeing is girls that, I'll give it to them, they're pretty, there's there's no doubt about that, but they're not really giving me golf content that I want to see, yet they are the ones ruling all of the the golf 
hashtags on the internet. And so I said, well, if they can do that, then what's wrong with me poking a little fun at them to kind of maybe help uh, prop myself up? So that's kind of where that all began from. And, you know, I think their, their strong suit is looking good on the golf course. And I think my strong suit is maybe dissecting what they're doing and, and pointing that out to people that are probably already know that, but it's somebody has to say it at some point and I have no problem with that person being me. <laughs> yeah. And it makes for hilarious content, but it also makes for content that is completely applicable to what they are doing. So I've got to ask, cause I know you've got some good responses back from people. Um, who, yeah. you know, because if that was me, right? Like if someone wanted to give me money to show my body for golf, like that's cool. hundred percent. I work hard on it. That's cool. I'm happy. If someone were to go make fun of that, you know, I would just, I'd take the piss out of myself and play along. And, and because that's, that's the best way is beat them with humor, you know? So sure. has anybody done that with you or have all the reactions that you've got been kind of like an F you, who do you think you are type deal? Yeah. First, first off, I just want to say, I think these girls doing this should be allowed to a hundred percent. I mean, I am not one of these people that don't think you should uh, have to do anything with your own body. Like if this, this is what they're called to do personally, I'm a hundred percent for it. I think it's great that you can make money with whatever God gave you, but it also opens you up to, to criticisms and all that sort of stuff. So with that said, uh, you know, there's been a couple that have, have clapped back at me for a, a term that's used <laughs> these days, uh, or, or chirped back as, as one of my favorite with bar school stuff. Um, you know, and it, you can tell that they don't get a lot of negative feedback, uh, just by their, if you react to me and, and you, you've been very kind in saying that I'm up and coming or whatever, but I, I really am just a small fish that I think nobody really cares about at the end of the day in that, in, on that scale. And so for them to take their time to let me know that I'm a low life or, or, you know, curse me out or, or I had one girl say, um, you have my info when you get popular or in, in essence that I'm a, I'm nobody. So call me when you get famous. Um, you know, I just think it shows that they have a very, uh, sensitive demeanor that they don't really reveal through those pictures. You know, they're going for the clicks, the likes, the comments. And then when you have those people that are kind of maybe showing behind the veil of, you know, you're just really trying to sell sex. And when they get called out for that, they, they maybe have convinced themselves that they're really doing it for the golf. I think they, it's just natural to want to lash out after you kind of get those 10,000 positive comments in that one where he's like, eh, I don't know about this. You, you really want to, you want to let the, give them a piece of your mind. And so that's mainly what I've run into, uh, like with, with the page, uh, sporadic stuff. Really, I think it's harmless. She's, you know, she does her thing. I don't know, um, what her end game really is. I don't think it's really about golf. I think it's modeling slash endorsement deals, but I think she's 
probably very good at golf and enjoys the game, but I just think she's kind of hiding behind that veil of like, let's grow the game and get more girls involved in the game. And if I'm being honest, if I had a daughter right now, that that's not what I would be showing her in the golf world is I don't want her to feel like you have to show off your body to, to get popular. Like I want, I've had several college girls message me saying, you know, it's very difficult for us to grow because we're not showing off our bodies. We want to show off our golf skills. We want to show off the golf game. And we're sitting here with 7,000 followers while she's got, you know, 1.5 million. And, you know, it was something I didn't, I knew was out there, but I never experienced until they messaged me after posting some of the stuff. So that kind of, kind of made me feel better because there's plenty of these girls that aren't getting any spotlight because frankly, they're more conservative in what they show on the internet, which I just, I have a hard time saying the negative. Yeah. I've, I've got some friends that play on the LPGA tour and they've made mention to it a few times. Um, especially when it comes to endorsement deals, when you have these sure. enormous golf companies that are overlooking, um, you know, girls that are women, excuse me, women that are ranked in the top 50 in the world um, or are on the top 100 all-time LPGA earnings list, and they're overlooking them um, in favor of, like you said, these Instagram models who just have a golf club in their hands. One of the things that, that interests me the most is that they actually do reply to you. So, like, you know you're hitting a button. You know you're touching a nerve at some point there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the, my favorite one, and I'm not going to mention her name, but you probably know of it from, from my recent stuff. Is, yes. <laughs> uh, so, so just the idea of I, I posted something, and she, you know, cursed me out through Instagram messages and blocked me. And, you know, I was like, yes, success. I, I finally got blocked by, you know, a bigger name. And then in the middle of the night, and I haven't shown the screenshot yet, she unblocked me and messaged me like three times about how I'm obsessed with her. And this, uh, you know, I'm saving this for a rainy day, this uh, screenshot, and goes on about how I'm obsessed with her. And it's pathetic how um, I'm nobody and I'm just using her to get clout, all, all this stuff. And then she blocks me again. So she <laughs> she basically unblocked me to message me in the middle of the night and then blocks me again after she sends that. And luckily I took a screenshot because it deleted after she blocked me again. That, so, that uh, might be a was, not so uh, mentally stable individual. Well, that's what also makes me feel kind of bad is because these girls have so much invested in just this kind of like positive feedback they're getting about how gorgeous and, and, and that's one thing that just absolutely drives me nuts is, is reading through some of these comments are these guys that are, I mean, are prime for just being taken advantage of. I mean, you know, the, I love yous and Hey honey, like, I hope the bet like just creepy. It's creepy. Yeah, the and, the internet's a very weird world, man. Yeah, and it's just like I I want to do a whole video on kind of the desperate male figure that's like lurking online, just thinking that he has some sort of relationship with these these 
Instagram models. It's very, it's very odd, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's all numbers and eyes on a, a piece of content that, you know, you can generate money from. So it's hard for me to, 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 to really diss on it too much because I know what the, the, the game is at the end of the day. I just think, you know, if, you, if you're able to make money off that, then I should be able to make fun of it and attempt to do the same. Sure. Yeah. If they can make money off of it, you know, then you can try to do that as well. So I'm going to pitch you an sure. idea here because I'm better at, at giving ideas and actually following through and actually doing them. I mean, it took me long enough to learn how to do a podcast. Um, so <laughs> he, so here's, here's what I think the next video should be or one in the future. You start to message some of these guys that, that reply in the most ridiculous ways and then see if you can do some type of Skype a video and do a, a YouTube documentary on uh, Instagram male golf lovers or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, almost like to catch a predator. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, because like, I've seen some of those comments and, and they're like, I mean, you mentioned that that Paige would probably have PTSD if she read all the comments. Uh, and oh I my think, God. I think, or, or, or looked at all the pictures that I'm sure people have, have sent through Twitter or Instagram or whatnot. And uh, I, if you could get a yeah, few of those people to talk, I think it'd be amazing. Yeah, I, I thought about that because, you know, me being just uh, the time waster sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll go through some of the comments just to, I don't, I don't know if it makes me feel better about myself or what, but some of these guys, like, I'll click on their profile, and it's like, happily married to, you know, like, to this person, and I'm just like, you know, nothing about your comment that you just left on that girl's page makes me think you're married, or with, like, several kids when you are being vulgar about some young girl on the internet, and it's, it's just very odd, like, because either they're unaware that people can see this comment or they're or that's they're not concerned that their wife or spouse may see that it's it's just odd i don't i don't get it yeah it's it's that veil veil of uh, anonymity that the quote unquote internet allows you to have i guess but uh it, yeah. it's 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 crazy man it's crazy <laughs> i do enjoy it though i do i mean i guess there's something to be said about getting to watch a little bit of chaos uh, when you don't have any in your own life right now. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I love watching crazy people as long as they're not too close to me. Yeah, there you go. That's, <laughs> that's a good one. All right, so listen, I, I've, I've had you on for a while, and I greatly appreciate it, but I know it's early for you. Um, before I get you out of here, why don't you give us some ideas on where you're going next, what you plan on possibly uh, putting out there maybe a little sneak peek under the curtain as to what is coming up in the pipeline for Knock Stiff Golf, and then feel free to promote any and everything you have. Yeah, so uh, I think really what I've learned um, over the past kind of almost you know nine months of doing this pretty consistently is the golf trips are really what I enjoy doing most, as as any golfer would, but really documenting that. So I'm really looking for ways coming up where I can get. Uh, maybe a few uh, social media people together and go on these trips and document them and maybe kind of coming out with some sort of packages that I can kind of pitch to different courses about it. So that's kind of something I'm working on right now. I'm going to continue with the content, uh, updating people on where I'm at with my game, 
doing a few commentary videos here and there and, and really just trying to stay consistent and, and get better every day with what skill set I have now and trying to get it more polished. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the game plan as of now. I don't have anything too big right now. Maybe a couple giveaways coming up that uh, I hope you look out for too. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at KnoxDiffGolf, K-N-O-C-K-E-D-S-T-I-F-F, and uh, Twitter and Facebook, really. So those are the three things. And then, obviously, the YouTube is my, my main outlet, I would say. So that's, uh, that's essentially where you can find me and what I'm going to be doing. So I, I really appreciate you having me on. This was awesome. I always enjoy having a good chat with somebody in the, uh, the golf world and it's only better when we can get it recorded and go back to it whenever we want. Yeah, no, we definitely appreciate it. I know our listeners out there were looking forward to this one. Uh, I know that because they sent me messages on Instagram of it. And I know a bunch of uh, your fans are listeners of our program and vice versa. So it's very, very cool. And again, uh, check Kyle out on his YouTube channel, Knox Diff Golf. Uh, check out Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on Knox Diff Golf, of course. Uh, when we publish this, it is uh, Monday right now, Monday morning, very early in Anchorage, Alaska. And what we're going to do is we'll put everything in the liner notes. We will obviously tag Kyle, Knox, Stiff Golf, and everything so people on both sides can listen and just kind of experience if they haven't already. Kyle, thank you so much, brother. It's been amazing. All right, Dan. Thank you so much. Have yourself a nice day. All right, people. So either get busy golfing or get busy dying.